Blog Talk Radio. anything you ever heard before, except possibly here. You can reach them at save.org, S-A-V-A-E. They have live shows. You can reach them on Facebook. And they're also free to listen to on YouTube 
and you can get a, a CD on Amazon if you wish. I want to wish everybody a wonderful uh, May Day and hope everything went well for your May Day. And uh, God bless you in every way. I'm your host, Reverend Sean McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to focus on the tenor, that Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be on the Ryrie Study Bible, and you may use any Bible you wish. I've had many spiritual experiences, and in gratitude, we have ongoing Bible readings and discussion about our spiritual experiences. I'm just focused on being my real self and carrying the message given to me. There are a number today if you want to call in with a special prayer request, 619-924-9744. And Sacred Sunday is here every Sunday at 11 a.m. to 6 standard time. So let's start with our opening prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We also pray for all the Christians that are being persecuted worldwide. Their freedom to worship and lives are in jeopardy. Those whose lives are taken for distorted and evil reasons, and they have become martyrs, thank God. Their souls went right to heaven. They suffer no longer. We pray for all those suffering from violence here at home and abroad. We pray for those that are sick in mind and body. We also pray for the lonely and the uncomforted. Please, God, forgive us our sins. Bring us together. Help us to be more of a comfort to each other. We also pray for those suffering from domestic violence in their own homes. And freedom, we pray for freedom for addiction of every and all kind. Please, God, send your Archangel Michael to fight against evil and protect all of us. And with all your angels, watch over everyone. Our prayers go out of those who suffer in the world that we don't know about, including the poor animals that can't speak for themselves. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers that they may have many decisions to make and we are praying for all countries for their problems of suffering all over the whole world. Thank you, God, for everything you have given us. And thank you, God, for some of those things you have taken away. We ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care. And and for everyone and their families, we are, they're all in our prayers. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you. I wish everybody today a very special happy birthday, happy anniversary. Or if you've gotten a certificate or graduate, uh, we just want to wish everybody just a blessed event. And God bless you for a wonderful and prosperous year ahead. And let's see. You know, we use the Ryrie Study Bible. And that happens to be the Bible that I, I found. And I've read, read it ever since and on my second copy. But you can, if you don't have a Bible there, uh, you can go to www.biblegateway.com or you can go to www.biblia, B-I-B. Li.com and find it. And of course, uh, we finished with our last chapter last week with Romans 16, if you remember. So we're going to read the uh, the um, summary to Romans 16, and we're starting on uh, 1 Corinthians uh, this Sunday. It's just kind of amazing. So 
Uh, the Epistle to the Romans, let's do a summary. So the last bit of the letter consists of some shout-outs to Paul's friends in Rome, and he's dropping all the names. He, there are 26 names in all, and we'll just hit a few of the biggies. He first mentions a woman called Phoebe, who Paul calls a, a deacon. She's probably the person who is carrying his letter from Corinth to Rome. There's a married couple, Prisca and Aquila, who has stuck their neck out for Paul lots of times. Andronicus and Junia, a Jewish couple who are in prison with Paul and whom he calls a prominent among the apostles. Then Paul takes a break from his fellows to drop a warning. Watch out for the false prophets. They don't follow Christ and they're only out for themselves. And they're pretty good at tricking people into following them, though. So eternal vigilance. So back to the greetings. Paul puts in a few hellos from the folks from to, in Corinth, Timothy, Lucius, Jason, Sosipater, Tertius, Gaius, Erastus, and Cordus all say hello. Lastly, Paul gives one final shout-out to God. He brings strength to all the Christians through the good news of Jesus Christ. He has revealed a super-secret mystery to us so that now everyone, Jew and Gentile, can share in his godly goodness. Amen, and then we're finished with that chapter. So we're going to go and start reading uh, 1 Corinthians, and we're going to start out by reading uh, what the setting was for because they have, in the Ryrie Study Bible, in the beginning, it has a uh, the notes of what was going on then, and I'd like to read them to you because I really, that's what I like about this Bible is the notes. Anyway, in the city of Corinth, was located on the narrow isthmus between the Aegean and Adriatic Seas, Corinth is a port city and wealthy commercial center. Ships wanting to avoid the dangerous trip around the southern tip of Greece were dragged across that isthmus. The city boasted of an outdoor theater that accommodated 20,000 people, athletic games second only to the Olympics, a Greek, Roman, and Oriental population, and the great temple of Aphrodite with its 1,000 prostitutes. The moral, moral condition of Corinth was vividly seen and the fact that the, the term Greek, uh, Corinthianzano, the act of Corinthian, was meant to mean to practice fornication. There are, were taverns in the south side of the marketplace, and there were many drinking vessels that were dug up in those liquor lockers. Corinth is noted for everything sinful, unfortunately. The church was in Corinth. The gospel was first preached in Corinth and his second missionary journey. And that was A.D. 50. While living and working with Aquila and Priscilla, he preached in the synagogue until opposition forced him to move next door to the house of Titus Justice. The Jews accused him before Roman governor Galileo, but the charge was dismissed, and Paul remained 18 months in the city. After leaving, Paul wrote the church a letter, which was, has since been lost. But the disturbing news about the believers and the questions they asked Paul in a letter they sent to him prompted the writing in First Corinthians. Problems there concluded division in the church, immorality, and the questions concerning marriage, food, worship, and the resurrection. Aberrant beliefs and practices of an astonishing variety characterized this church. The place of the writing was written in it some was actually written from Ephesus. The contents. The letter is largely practical in emphasis, dealing with spiritual and moral problems and questions. It is the casebook of pastoral theology 
an important emphasis, including the judgment seat of Christ, the temple of the holy city, the glory of God, the Lord's Supper, love, the exercise of gifts, and resurrection. So that's all we read about the notes, because he gives a whole outline, and it shows where the city was. And here, let's start reading now. So get your Bible out, or go to www.biblia.com as we start reading. Paul, called as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and the Sochines, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling, with all who is in every place, call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace to God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. The expression of thanks. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which is given you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you were enriched in him, and in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, so that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, through whom you will be called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And now I will exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no division among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by close people, that there are quarrels among you. Now, I mean this, that each of you is, is saying, I am Paul, and I have a, a Paul, Paulus, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one would no one would say you were baptized in my name. Now I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in the cleverness of speech, so that the cross of the, the cross of Christ would not be made void. And then he goes on to say, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? And since the wisdom of God, the world through his wisdom, would not come to know God, God has, was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs, Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to Jews, a stumbling block, and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because of the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brethren, that there are not many wise men according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong, 
and the base things of the world and the despise God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. But by his doing, you were in Christ Jesus and became to us wisdom from God and the righteousness of sanctification and redemption, so that, just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. So that's giving us admonishment and heads up right there. So I'm going to read the notes now. And it's so that word S-O-S-T-H-E-N-E-S still seems possibly the ruler of the synagogue and who had become a believer, sanctified, set apart for God's possession and use. This is true of the Corinthians because of their position in Christ in spite of their blatant imperfections. Gifts, so gifts. Spiritual gifts are abilities that God gives believers in order that they may serve him. Every Christian has at least one gift. At Corinth, all the various gifts were found within the group. Spiritual gifts were discussed in Romans. And then uh, at one eight, confirm, guarantee. The Corinthians had God's guarantee that they would be in Christ's presence when he returned and they would be blameless. This assurance is based on the wonderful fact that God is faithful. And then 110, divisions and schisms parted parties. This letter was written to a church divided over personalities. Though severely condemned, these factions were allowed to exist in order to, to that approved believers could be recognized, made complete. All appeals for adjustments to be made in the personality divisions so that there might be unity in the church. Other issues that divided the church include libertinism, the relation between men and women in the church, food laws, speaking in tongues, and the resurrection of the dead. Well, you know, it's the same quarrels we have now. Okay, let's go back to the notes. Quarrels of strife, which according to uh, Galatians 5.20 is the work of the flesh or of old nature. Party of Apollos apparently preferred a polished style in preaching. The party of Cephas, Peter, appealed to the traditional, which wanted a header who had walked with Christ. The party of Christ included those detained attachment in any group and flaunted the liberty in Christ. The impossibility of these things being true demonstrations of the fallacy of the factions. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. So Paul did, Paul did baptize some people. It was clear that the statement is that he did not consider baptism necessary for salvation, nor in the cleverness of speech, not with his excuse me, persuasive eloquence or argumentation. In these verses, Paul shows the worldly wisdom which the Corinthians prized so highly is the very antithesis of the wisdom of God. And then on 23, as Christ sanctified with a stumbling block to Jews who expected a political savior and foolishness to the Greeks who consider anyone would be crucified of no account. So then not only was the message of the cross foolishness to the perishing, God uses those who would commonly be considered foolish, weak, and of no consequence to convey the message. An illustration of this truth was their own church group, which did not include many wise, mighty, or, or noble. God's purpose is to exclude all boasting and self and then 130, righteousness of justification, sanctification, present progressive sanctification, 
redemption and future glorification. And that was the ending of that. And it's a, it's this is just the beginning because, as we well know, uh, Corinthians is something that every uh, Christian aspires to and believes in and wants to follow in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And I want to thank you so much for listening to that. And um, our next thing is I'm going to read a little story, if I can find one, that uh, we could read together. I just, uh, sorry I'm a little sick this morning. I um, somehow messed up my throat, so excuse me. Uh, let's see. Say, us, why don't we read this one? Can I? Okay. I haven't read this one before. This is called Trapped in a Blaze. It's it's by um, Guidepost. It's by Katie Clark from Hanover, Pennsylvania, and Doug Saylor, Pottstown, Pennsylvania. Kitty Clark, as soon as I woke up on Friday, July 7th last year, I remembered that my three-year-old son, Jordan, and I wouldn't be following our usual schedule. Instead of dropping him off in daycare and then going to my job at an attorney's office, I would be taking him to the Milton S. Hershey Medical Center about an hour and 15 minutes away from where we live. Jordan was born with SVT, supraventricular tracheocardia, the condition that causes the heart to raise uncontrollably. Medication would stabilize him, but every six months I have to take him to the hospital for cardiac testing and monitoring. When I got out in Jordan's clothes for the day, I smiled recalling how my breakfast the previous morning, he had climbed into my lap and asked to wear my angel pin. As a single parent, I struggled to find the energy and time to get everything done. My church gave me much support, but for a reminder of God's constant presence, I had taken to wearing an angel pin with an aqua marine stone given to me by a friend. It reminded me that God was watching over us. For more than a year, I had worn it every day, but that day I forgot to pin it on. I dressed Jordan in a gray one-piece outfit I bought. and It has short sleeves and red and white lettering reading extra, extra large athletics. With his red sneakers and a red baseball cap, he looked like a miniature coach. Okay, this is now Doug Saylor. Working as a truck driver for our family's feed and seed company in Portstown, I usually get early start, hitting the road by 5 a.m. So I was surprised that summer morning I picked up the phone to hear my dad asking why I hadn't started out yet. I checked the clock and saw it was already 7 a.m. I could hardly believe my eyes. I seldom overslept, but apparently this day was going to be different. In fact, that it wasn't the only unusual thing that day. First, I needed to pick up a load of, from Camp Hill and then drive to Thomasville. In all my years of making deliveries, I never had taken the road between those two locations. As I drove, I thought about my wife, Robin, and our three children, Scott, Amber, and Jamie. Considered all the fun things that would be do- they would be doing on a warm summer day and looking at my watch, I hope I would be home for dinner. At Camp Hill, I loaded up and got advice on the best way to Thomasville then headed my 60-foot rig out of the loading area. As I switched gears, I reviewed the directions for Route 15. Now this is back to Katie. It was 9 a.m. when we left our house in Hanover and headed for Route 15. There had been rain, but it had stopped. 
I had a fleeting thought of the freak accidents people have, but I reminded myself that I had been a very careful driver. Surely people would avoid accidents if they stayed alert and drove carefully. After turning onto Route 15, Dillsburg, we approached the first stoplight. I thought, there's another McDonald's where we usually eat. That's where Jordan plays. People told me that I had come to a complete stop at the red light, but I can't remember anything except slowing down. Then there was only blackness. Doug, as a truck driver, I learned to be alert and watch out for the drivers around me. I remember there were cars were and look out for them at the corner of my eye. Heading on south of Route 15, I downshifted as I approached the red light in Dillsburg. I noticed two cars stopped at the intersection facing me, but behind them a truck was coming, going too fast to stop. It was a tractaxle bulk feed truck with a tank as big as most folks' living room. What is wrong? Had his light already been switched to green? I glanced at the light and then heard a crashing thud. I saw the front car fly about 100 feet across the intersection. It had been hit by the second car, which had been hit by the truck. The flames leapt under the hood of the second car, racing around it. I wonder if it would explode. Katie, I can't recall the accident, but I remember the heat, the terrible, intense, overwhelming heat, and a sickening stench of burning rubber, paint, and plastic. My eyes stung and my nose burned. My throat was parched, but I'll never forget that horrifying smell. Now we're back to Doug. I pulled my rig off the road, grabbing my fire extinguisher, and ran towards the burning car. I emptied the fire extinguisher into the flames. Others came to help. To the thick smoke, I glimpsed what I thought looked like an arm in the driver's window, but all the doors were jammed. Get back, I shouted to the person in the car. I have to smash the window. I broke the window with a fire extinguisher. A young woman was in the front seat and there was blood on her face. Leaning through the window, I pulled her out and she was alive. Someone carried her to the embankment. Relieved, I stood back and looked at the car. Then through the smoke, I saw, I saw movement. There was somebody else inside and that looked like a child. I dashed back to the car, but it was too late. The heat had intensified. The flames were leaping out the car and another man tried, but he couldn't make it either. I tried again, but the heat was too much to bear. The ground was littered with fire extinguishers had brought and emptied. Still the fire blazed. Now we're back to Katie. I don't remember being lifted out of the car, but I do remember being taken to the embankment. I saw people running around and the ambulance crew arrived. I noticed my car was smoking flames blowing around it, but something was wrong, terribly wrong. Suddenly I realized Jordan was not beside me. I heard a scream coming from me, louder than I've ever screamed in my life. My baby, my baby's inside. Somebody get him out. Doug. From somewhere behind me, I heard a scream. My baby, get my baby. In my mind flashed the image of my own children. What if, what if they had been in there? I had to try. I dashed toward the car again, racing for that terrible heat. But the strangest thing happened. It was as though something from above had blown down on the car and driven it back the heat and the flames. Climbing through the window, I could see a young boy in an infant seat. I fumbled for the buckle straps I wouldn't give. I grabbed the child and pulled. He was strapped so tight I couldn't get him out. Pulled and pulled, nothing. I slid back out. We needed something for cutting. I took out my pocket knife and headed back in. Strangely enough, a breath of cool air was still holding the heat in the fire back. I maneuvered between the steering wheel and the seat, 
and my legs were sticking out the window. Frantically, I cut the cords and the straps and the seatbelt, anything I could get my hands on. I prayed I didn't hurt the child. Finally, I pulled again, and he was free. Holding him close, I pushed my way out of the car window. Katie, Jordan, and I ended up at Hershey Medical Center that day, but not exactly the way we had planned. We both had concussions, cuts, and bruises, and I needed staples to close a wound in the back of my head, but neither of us was seriously burned, and Jordan's heart remained stable. More amazing to me, Jordan hasn't suffered with any bad memories or nightmares. Looking at the pictures of the crushed and burning car, I shudder to think we were inside. And the angel pen, it was with us all the while in Jordan's backpack, where he had put it that morning. But God sent another angel to be with us and protect us. And his name was Doug Saylor. We're back to Doug. After the ambulance took Katie and Jordan away, someone brought me a bandage for a cut on my arm and so that I looked sunburned. My hands were a bit shaky. Other than that, I felt okay. McDonald's offered me a breakfast, but I still had a lot of driving to do, so I had a glass of orange juice to get the taste of fire extinguisher out of my mouth. Then I hopped on my truck. Looking back, I still think the strange cooling breeze that provided relief from that terrible heat. Sometimes I think God just gave it a puff and blew that heat back. People also point to a series of remarkable coincidences, my oversleeping, the unusual nation. I was right where I needed to be, just at the right time, and I had plenty of help. Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful story that just gave me the chills. God bless everybody in that story and everybody lived, and God has us at the right place at the right time. And God is never too late, so be patient and wait on God. So in closing, let's say a moment of silent meditation for those who are out there are still suffering. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Thank you for joining Sacred Sunday. Please come back next week and bring your friends. In closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms so that you may have the strength to face whatever is ahead. Remember that you're never alone. May your best dreams come true and true love live in your heart. Message me if you have any concerns or requests for prayers or anything. So just see you next week, my friends. Have a wonderful week. God bless you in every way. Amen.